It's time. Roll for initiative. All right. So, what do you do? Hey, and welcome to Tabletop 101. I'm your co- I'm your host Caleb, and this is my co-host Mike. Senpai, Mike. Not senpai, just Mike. And today on another episode of Tabletop 101, we're going to be talking about finding the right player count for you. Uh, this is specifically part of our GM series, our GM 200 series. Actually, this is going to be 201. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be talking about just what does that mean as far as finding that right player count? Right? Like, it's it's not always as easy. Well, it's not as simple as just sitting down and, like, you know, having the magic number, right? For some people, the magic number is one game master, dungeon master, whatever, and exactly four players, you know? But sometimes you got a fifth buddy you want to play with. Sometimes you only got two or three buddies to play with. What do you do, right? And in those very rare circumstances, sometimes you have eight people who are one. No, one of them's got to get dropped, right? Oh, okay. Like, you got to gotta kick, Can't him, do more kick him to the curb. Can't do eight or more? That's too many. I mean... I don't know. I've run nine. You've run nine? Yeah, it was it was a little chaotic, but we made it work. It actually do, was a lot of fun. Do they make rooms large enough to fit nine people? Uh, actually, the table we were using fat, uh, fat, wow, fit like fifteen people, which was super wild. Were you like like at a middle school like like uh, cafeteria or something? No, it was uh, it was one of those like weird like, uh, like rectangular tables kind of thing. There was, like, like at several a tables combined cafeteria. together. Oh, but, like there was a hole in the middle. So you could like get into the middle section. Did you sit in there as the GM? I actually did. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I actually sat in the middle section of the GM and Jeez. was able to like move around and we had like the mats like portraying across like corners and stuff. It was really kind of wild. Oh, uh, that's pretty cool. I it like was actually that. a lot of fun. Um, nice. I think that was the only reason I kept going with it was because I got to do weird stuff the, in yeah, the middle. Yeah, that table. It, that table was amazing nice. for it. But yeah, no. Um, So as far as like play... Finding the right player count. Yeah, you're absolutely right. For some people, it's two, three, four, five, six. Some people are wild and like seven or more. Mm-hmm. You know, it all comes down to a couple different factors. I think one of the most important factors is the type of game. Yeah, because like some games kind of suit themselves to a particular number of players, right? And some are really bad at certain kinds of games. Absolutely. Um, do we want to start with like big groups or small groups? Or like, where's the cutoff? What's considered a big group? What's considered a small group? So I think me personally, uh, I view it as a small group of two to four. Okay. So anywhere two, three, four, those are all small groups. Okay. Uh, as far as a larger group, I'm talking five, six, seven plus. I mean, there's huge groups that get way bigger than that, but we're just going to separate them into just small and big, I think. Okay. Um, Oh. I, I think if it's one, it's not really a group. It's one-on-one sessions, which yeah. we may talk about in a later episode. Coming up next time. But actually, um, serious question though, before we get into it, what's your preferred group size as the the GM? So me personally, I like having four. Four? That's my preferred number. And that's that's um, you and four players, or is that like correct. the GM me and, and three? four players. Okay. Um, and with that, I like it because... I like to form a nice little box with it, and I like to be able to pair off players in certain circumstances. You, you're you in a dungeon, and you get separated. You know, uh, Maybe a portion of the floor collapses. Now your players are trapped separate from each other Dude, into so two you separate like... things. Two and two is a nice combination there. Make a um, little buddy cop movies. Exactly, yeah. You Sweet. know, you always get those situations where uh, the, the, the heroes have split kind of thing, and you have... 
you have maybe maybe the two romantic interests are together and they have to deal with that tension or maybe you put the the two people who hate each other the most in the group and they have to deal with their their conflict um so i think it brings interesting dynamics to the group that that i like to kind of flip and i like to pair them differently um and just because you paired you know let's say a and b and c and d together Mm -hmm. yeah um doesn't mean you're always going to do it you can pair A and D and B and C, and that's a that's an entirely different combination. Or A and C and B and D. So and you're like creating wild. a little relationship triangle, kind of. Yes. Gotcha. Well, I, guess- I think with less people, my my preferred thing is I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, well, I'm stuck by myself. I feel like I'm, you know, pushed away from the group kind of thing. I don't like that as much, in my personal opinion, as a GM, because uh, I I've known what that feels like. Uh, I think every nerd has, you know, yeah. of being excluded from something. And so I just, that, that's something that I try to avoid that feeling of in my game. So you like having like an even, even number of players to like, uh, uh, pre- can, to like prevent that third or that fifth wheel? Yeah, kind of. See, um, I'm, I'm, if I go five, I split three and two usually. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm close. I like three personally. Mm-hmm. I like being the GM having three players because I'm a big fan of triangles. Uh, Pythagoras is like, he's my dude, right? He's he your is. hero. He's my he's my hero. You know, I got yeah, a tattoo like of a triangle somewhere. You'll see it one day. I swear. I mean, I believe um, it. <laughs> but yeah, well, I like it because it lets you create like Frank a a nice a nice tight relationship triangle between the three player characters. Absolutely, it does. Um, then let's see when you bring in like a new NPC in, you can very easily kind of grid off relationships around a nice tight triangle. Um, now, like like you mentioned, I guess like the downside to that is like yeah. if two of the characters, two of the players, buddy up, you can have that that third wheel kind of left off that's where then as the gm you can then kind of like loop in like an npc to kind of like buddy up so it kind of feels like they're they're almost you know paired off with the gm yourself yeah but then you can swap that so maybe like the next session maybe that 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 third wheel is now buddied off with one of the other two players and now the someone else is the third wheel off by themselves so maybe they're hanging out with that npc from last time and maybe they were really friendly with the other np with the other player but maybe that npc is very aggressive towards this this player character creating an odd dramatic tension and also as a gm it's really easy to run games for smaller player accounts because i can focus more of my time kind of highlighting and on those characters yeah i uh i one of my big rule of thumbs is to based on uh time is is the time of my sessions the duration i guess okay would be the right word because with it i feel like i'm i have to split some of my time between each of the players to kind of give them focus and to give them attention so with that the the shorter sessions i have the less time that i have to be able to split between potentially more players so if it's shorter sessions less players and smaller player groups i fit better with that because it's like oh well, i have a I have a three-hour session. I, you know, I'm gonna take up an hour of it with plot, maybe an hour with combat, and I can split twenty minutes between each of the other, each of those three players, kind of thing. If I've got three, okay. If I've got four, that gets a little bit tighter. Maybe we, or if you have maybe six, we cut it now out. it's ten minutes per player yes. for like spotlight time. Or maybe I, at that point, I have to either cut back on some of the combat or maybe cut back on plot. And I say, okay, well, mm-hmm. this week we're gonna do like. 30 minutes of plot and 30 minutes combat and then i can split two hours between six players and even then that's like 20 minutes per and that's that feels a little rough still okay. so 
it's just a situation of like the timing. If I've got a six hour session, that's far easier to break into attention for multiple players. Right. So right now you're running a three hour time slot, right? Yes. Back in the day, back when I was a youngster, I used to run 12 hour long games for oh, eight players. Oh gosh, I've done those. They are rough. Yeah. Well, I mean, combat took forever, uh, but we literally had uh, noon to midnight on Saturdays where we would just, we would have lunch and dinner together. We would take breaks. Um, the, the party would split off into multiple groups and sometimes mm-hmm. just kind of go off away from me as the GM and like RP doing stuff at camp. And they would come back and be like, hey, so while you were doing this, 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 this encounter in town, we were outside the walls and we did this. By the way, we created these items and uh, I, I killed this other guy. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> I should have been involved in that, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it works. Um, but we were really into it at the time, and it was an all-day affair. So I think, yeah, yeah t- time is a big factor. Are there, uh, are, aside from, like, time and preferences, are there, like, particular games that you think kind of suit themselves better for, like, bigger games or smaller games, right? Like, are, are all game systems created equally for, for player size? So... That's the great thing is all game systems are not created equally. And I don't mean that in like some systems are better than others or anything. Because clearly 4th edition D&D is the best role playing game of all time. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I am. I I love 4th edition. <laughs> I, it holds a special place in my heart. I know it's one of the more hated ones, but it holds a special place in my heart. But we, we won't get into that topic today. <laughs> okay. Um, but some systems are designed for smaller groups of players and they do really, really well with that. Some systems are designed to be able to handle any number of players. And those systems can do really, really well with a larger number of players. I think narrative driven games kind of like, uh, I know we've, we've briefly mentioned the sprawl. I believe we've briefly mentioned that on here. Yeah. Um, blades like, in the dark kind of thing, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Those kind of systems I feel like are a little bit more driven to smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Um, as we actually talked briefly about this right before the podcast yeah. ended, um, is that with narrative driven systems, too many voices can be overwhelming and can be confusing mm-hmm. and can cause more frustration than anything else. Well, cause especially because the rules in games like blades in the dark or apocalypse world, it's very much a, like a free form conversation. There's no role for initiative and taking turns. It's just Correct. something is described by the the master of ceremonies, the GM, whatever, and people will react to it. And like a conversation, the more people in a room talking over each other, the less interesting things get and the more messy things get some of the time. So like I think maybe that's why I like three player games, is I play a lot of these kind of free form games where it's talk when you want act when you want to act Mm -hmm. and more rigid game structures kind of like a dungeons and dragons or pathfinder or anything like that or cyberpunk or cyberpunk where it has those uh you roll for initiative and it's specific turn orders and stuff uh i believe even the witcher is like that yeah um with that specific initiative and turn order Mm -hmm. that allows for more structured of okay cool of my eight players, player one is going to go first, then player two, then player four. And we know that it's going to go in this specific order because that's how the initiative came out. Yeah. Um, and those maybe as a GM, you have to be a little bit creative in terms of how you 
make it so combat doesn't just last for forever and so yeah. it doesn't just seem to stretch out of going okay well player one just finished their turn in 25 minutes you'll be back to take another turn well see th- that that's the two things i did when i was running that that 12 hour long game mm-hmm. is first of all it was a 12 hour long game so we could literally fit several three hour long combats and mm-hmm. people loved it and people would bring their like portable game consoles and muck around during fight when it wasn't their turn (laughs) but as the thing i did as the gm to speed that up is i used like average damage so i would still roll to hit for enemies but instead of rolling a you know a a d6 plus two i would just say cool all of them do what is that five damage on average i'm terrible at this like I, i would just have static damage numbers just to kind of cut back my 20 npcs of attacks during big fights I know one of the things that I did when I was running the the nine player group um, was that, like, if you if you were not ready to start taking your turn within thirty seconds of it being your turn, mm-hmm. your character was frozen within the size of this. Ooh. So people were people were ready to go when it was their turn. So, Otherwise, they would literally lose their turn. Yes, and it was a situation where I was like, I wasn't a horrible punishing gm or anything i said look i said you're gonna lose your turn yeah all that means is that you're basically taking the equivalent of the dodge action you're you're making it harder to hit but at the same time your character is paralyzed with you know fear of decisions kind of thing and they they don't do anything as far as decisive actions that turn uh it made it so my players paid attention a little bit they knew who was before them they were planning on what they were gonna do kind of thing and it wasn't that they only had 30 seconds to take their turn but it was if you okay, sat there for 30 my seconds turn, yeah i immediately know i'm going to do this or i might have about three options i'm going to quickly look over yes i'm going to go with this one kind of yeah. thing and well, so it made it so it was you almost wanted to plan your turn in advance and then as it got closer to your turn it was okay let me make sure what i wanted to do was still, still the works. best option kind of thing it may be the person before you the person there are two mm-hmm. people before you so you're ready to immediately jump in there. Well, see, nothing nothing bothered me more than like running that that 12 hour long campaign, and it would come around to a certain someone's turn, and you know they would look up from their laptop, like it was their first time seeing the the battle. They'd be seeing where all the monsters were. They would like rub their beard. They would look at their character sheet for like a minute and a half, and I'd be like, dude, dude, were you not yeah. paying attention? Like. <laughs> And it was to prevent that. That's why we did the 30-second rule. I made sure all my players were in agreement beforehand, but that's why we did it, is to get rid of stuff like that. That's reasonable for those big games. The One of the other things we did that actually sped up sped up way more than I thought it ever would was, so in games like Dungeons & Dragons and stuff, you roll to attack, and then you roll damage. Yeah. We threw everything at once. You're like the D20 and whatever your, your damage Correct. dice were, like your 2D6. Because if it was a cool, it's a hit. My damage is already rolled. I don't have to then make a second roll just to then be prepared for it and then count up that. I can just automatically look at it and go, yes, I'm going to hit. Here's my damage. Or okay. I miss. Cool. Scoop everything back. I like it. Nice ways just to optimize play. Yeah, it, it honestly made way more of a difference mm-hmm. than I thought. We tried it one combat and it was like wow night and day difference it shaved off a solid i think uh, almost a solid minute off everybody's turn okay and i've never thought it would actually do that much of a difference but it it reasonably was like way faster well because you have the players that'll sometimes like have to remind themselves what dice they roll sometimes they'll shake them for like 30 seconds thinking that'll give them higher numbers 
Um, I'm one of those players for the record. I, I can't help it. <laughs> so besides like when talking about what games are better for larger groups, besides having like structured, like initiative style combat, are there other things that would like be beneficial or like super like, Ooh, maybe that's not, you know, maybe we shouldn't play this game with like 12 players. You know, is there anything else you'd want to be on the lookout for? So I think that one of the big things Again, aside from the game and aside from time, because those are, in my opinion, the two biggest factors. Okay. Um, but I think other things to kind of be on the lookout for is if the game is very... What's the right word I'm looking for here? Hmm. If the, if the game is very, very loot-heavy type thing, okay, I think that can be good for a lot of players. Like loot... For, Loop heavy, like, like how? loot heavy. Oh, like loot treasure. Heavy. So, like, if there's a lot of treasure free flowing kind of thing from your game master or anything like that, that can be really beneficial for larger groups because it's much easier to split a lot of things between groups. So, like, if you had if like a game where you got stingy like stingy with okay. stuff like that, then it's better for smaller groups because then you don't have as much infighting over the specific stuff. So that I think that's probably less system specific and more of like campaign specific. Yeah, I would like, agree. Like you running Dungeons and Dragons versus me running running Dungeons and Dragons. You give out magic items like they were uh insert some joke about things you get too much when you go to a place. I don't napkins I don't know. Napkins at a fast food restaurant. Napkins at they're like getting napkins at a fast food <laughs> restaurant. But me on the other hand, I'm like getting napkins uh, at your friend's house who doesn't have napkins. This and you have to like go like scrounging for toilet paper in the bathroom only to find out that there's some nasty used towel that he's been using for literally everything for the last year and a half and it probably hasn't been washed. That's how often I give out treasure. Ooh. That's rough. It's rough, I know, right? It's very rough. But it's usually okay stuff. Yeah. Um so okay. Um I did think of something else as well. Yeah. So less campaign specific. Okay. More player specific kind of thing. Okay. So in games where there is a lot of classes and class options and stuff like that. Yeah. For example, Dungeon Dragons has a ton of different options. You can be like you could actually have eight different people all playing very, very different types of things. Gotcha. Okay. You could theoretically have eight wizards all playing very different, very different types different of wizards. things, or eight fighters all playing very different types of fighters and stuff. Okay. Like the game has a lot of that, and I think that's really good for larger groups. So you're not running into a problem of like, man, this game has six character options, so. And everyone who plays cleric is playing the same cookie cutter cleric. Exactly. Looking at you, first edition D and D. Nothing so, wrong with that. So we don't have a lot of doubling up of the exact same thing. If you so have would be multiple boring, people probably. doing the exact same thing, like it, and they have the exact same skill set, it's a it's a problematic thing. It can really be very problematic. Okay. If you're playing, let's say, a cyberpunk, and you have three people playing a fixer, it's like great. We, we all have really we, need one of you because well, we all have fixer. the same power and it's like well i guess i just won't put any of my points into yeah. my fixer ability so yeah. i think I games you. that don't have a lot of class options kind of thing or a lot of like player options in that regard yeah. are better for small well, groups than larger to, groups to be fair cyberpunk red there are i believe 10 different playbooks it was but my immediate thought was a fixer as an example yeah, yeah. now I, I guess on the flip side um 
smaller groups what kind of games are better for smaller groups we mentioned it before i think games that have a focus on conversation-based play Mm -hmm. where there's a lot more focus on the story sure you can do combat um i think just just as easy with this bigger group or a smaller group but i think that the narrative games really tend to shine with um uh with with smaller groups because um if i have like a three-hour session and three players i can literally spot like spotlight like an hour for each player mm-hmm. where like you can be that that powerful main focus to the story you're not just like one of of eight people walking down the railroad going through the dungeon fighting the monster listening to the story you're actually driving the campaign towards the goal that you as the player want so i think you get a lot more freedom when you're playing a narrative game with lesser players because there's less people that have to like you know you have to, you're struggling with that spotlight time for and as a gm it's, it's nice to be able to give those players that extra sort of uh control of the story that you would have a harder time doing with a ton of players absolutely agreed because again like we mentioned earlier more voices more confusion yeah so like if there's one takeaway point here it's find the right tool for the job there's no one right answer it really comes down to what your preferences as the GM are. It comes down to, you know, who your group of friends are. Do you have eight buddies you want to play with? Then play with eight buddies. You know, if you only got yourself and three others, make that work. It doesn't matter. It's whatever you like. It, it comes down to the amount of time you have, the kind of game you want to play, the focus you want to have on that game. And if you're not sure, just, just try everything out. If you hate it, stop it. Try something else. The possibilities are endless. And most importantly, the most important thing for determining your number of player count is how many snacks do you have? Well, I got too this. little for too large of players, it's no good. And this has been Tabletop 101 with Mike and Caleb. See you guys next week. Ciao.